Good evening, everybody. We are here first Saturday of the third month. We just thank you for all who tune in, who listen. We pray the answers are helping you and helping the others too who listen. We have follow-up questions also, and I like that. That means you are listening. The ones who ask the questions are listening. They have more doubts. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that we have all the answers and in life, we will never have all the answers. One day, God will answer all the questions and we will be without doubt. But to the best of our ability, the wisdom God grants us, we will answer. And so this evening, before we go to the Q&A, I will ask Pastor Vijay to lead us in prayer. Then, Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again, Father, for this time that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For every session, O oh Lord, of this Q&A that you've been with us all these days, O oh Lord, thank you once again, Father, for all the questions that have come. Thank you, Father, for all your people who've been asking questions. Thank you, Father, for the blessing that it is to all of us, O oh Lord. And I pray, Father, that even as we, Father, endeavor to look through all these questions, I pray, Father, that you'd anoint your servant this evening, O oh Lord, and all of us, O oh Lord, that we'll be able to understand your heart, O oh Lord, the, the intent, O oh Lord, Father, of your heart, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Commit all of us into your hands, O oh Lord. Speak to us, and Lord, let your name be glorified through every session. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. Amen. Sound oh. is clear, Sammy? Okay. Yeah. Pastor, a very important question. Okay. <laughs> uh, I know in the Bible, stealing is considered to be a sin. But I just want to ask, if I take money from my husband's wallet without his knowledge, will that be considered as a sin? <laughs> you know my husband is not interested in saving and whatever money he has, he is in a habit of investing it in the business. I really don't like it because I think we should save for our kids. So sometimes I just take the money from him without him knowing. But again, I feel guilty about, guilty thinking God is watching. So what do you think? <laughs> Honestly, when I got this question in the morning, I was cracking up. Then when I showed it to Pastor Vijay, he was cracking up. Okay. Well, the fact of the matter is that some wives take money from their husbands, some husbands take money from their wives, <laughs> depending upon who is the spendthrift over there. But letting aside jokes aside, this is an issue which people face. I mean, this comes under what you call situational ethics. But, <laughs> okay. but let me tell you, it just, when I was looking at it, it struck a chord in my life, in my mind, because I was thinking about the days when I was young. You know, you know my dad was a good man. I mean, he was a very, very, very nice man, righteous man. But he had an issue that was he, he used to drink. Dad was a principal, mom was in the same school. So my mom never saw her salary all her years she worked. She only signed in that book and she never saw her salary. But the problem was uh, she used to take tuitions in the evening. So she made that extra money. But she had to hide it from my father. <laughs> so I was the only one who knew where she hid it. She used to hide it in the stints in the kitchen where mustard and all was kept deep inside she would hide it and I used to flick it to buy my chocolate <laughs> so what she hid from the father the son found out <laughs> so when I was looking at it I was looking at it I was thinking okay but 
Well, there are two issues over here. One is <clears throat> if you are actually convicted by the Spirit of God, then uh, I don't have to say anything further mm-hmm. that you're being convicted because conviction is individual. Depending upon the situation, God would convict you. Okay, But other than looking at the big picture, I would put it this way. The Bible, the Bible says uh, you are one. Hmm. So you don't, uh, you can have individual accounts, so you can have a joint account for whichever way it is convenient. But uh, it's there's nothing like the husband's money and the wife's money. Yep. It's your money because you are one, you are not two. And second, depending upon, even in my church, if you ask my couples, I'll always, when I counsel them, I'll always tell them it's not the husband or the wife. Who do you think is a better steward, steward of finances? Of yes, yes. Let them handle finances. Always tell them. If the wife is good, let her handle it. The husband is good, let him handle it. In some cases, wives are spendthrifts. In this case, the wife is a good steward. In some cases, the men are. Okay? So basically, you have to look at who is who is a better uh, steward of finances. And uh, so I would put it that way. And... Uh, I would say probably he knows, and uh, <laughs> men know usually. Women sometimes, uh, men usually know when money is missing in their wallet. I mean, I would know. I would know if money is missing in my wallet. And uh, the issue here is, I would say that at the end of the year, why don't you talk to him and say, you know what, I've been saving money. I hope you know. I hope you have you realized that something is missing from your wallet? And he will say, no. I said, if I took it and I've been saving it for the children. And he will say, wow, you're a wise woman. Okay, put it across that way. If you are really racked up by guilt. But other than that, yes, uh, it, it's, it's a difficult question to answer because it will, it will, it will differ from relationship yes. to relationship. Because some relationships, there's no issues at all, you know. And on the other hand, some husbands, if the wife said, I always thought about taking money from your wallet and hiding it. You will say, why didn't you do it? Because I spent it all. Mm. should have done it without me knowing, you know. Because if I had known it, I would have come after it. all depends upon relationship, how open you are, how much trust is there, and how much, you know, you are protecting each other. Okay, it all depends. So you cannot put it, these kind of questions, you cannot put it in a box. Okay, let me give you a real example similar to this thing. Another situation I know where uh, husband is alcoholic. Hmm. Alcoholic, okay. And uh, when he's drunk and he's not aware, the wife takes the bottle, empties half of it in, or she breaks it and throws it away. And when he's sober, he's not aware because when he brought in the bottles, he was drunk. Now, what do you say about that? How do you? She's looking at the misery and the beating up and the violence and the hope, and all she's trying to do is protect her home, mm. protect her home. So there are so many cases like this. So what do you do? Okay. Yeah, so I'm not going to sit in judgment over this, but I would say that we have a guide inside. He's the best guide. When mm. you have situations like this, um, ask the Spirit of God. Ask the Spirit of God, no? And let him lead you in so that if you have to speak to your husband, he would have prepared your husband to receive it. 
and he will actually commend you for it because you are not wasting it. You're not spending it on shopping or anything. You're saving it for your children. Mm. And it's both of your, your children. So I would put it across that way. I'm not saying either a, a volume is very low, Sammy, uh, David says, from Chennai. Okay? It's, an, oh, it's, a, it's a volume very low. <coughs> Must be mine. Yeah? Okay, so I would like to put it that way. I would like to put it that way. Think about it. We just look at it in this situation or think about even worse than alcohol. Let us say you have a child or a husband who's a drug addict and he brings this stuff home and you know where it is hidden and you know it's very expensive and you know he cannot afford it and this is the quota for the month. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What would you do? What would you do? No? So you, when you, this is where you have to be very, very careful about how you counsel people. Because when it is money alone, it is one thing. But when money is spent on other things, we'll say, no, you should have taken it away. Oh, okay, exactly. You should have taken yes, it away. Yes. No, you should have taken it. You shouldn't have ever. No, it doesn't matter whether he knows or not. No, it is poison. Would you know? No. So you have to look at it that way and see where it goes. As long as you are not wasting it. No, if you take alcohol from your husband and you drink it, then it does not work. It does not work. So, But it was a funny question. I cracked up when I saw that. Look at question number 11. Um, 11, okay. How can someone be assured that they have been baptized by the Holy Spirit? I'm desperate and thirsty for it and ask Jesus to baptize me with the Holy Spirit, but I still don't know for sure. How can someone do that? It's a very controversial question because we have all kinds of people listening. It becomes basically a denominational question. There are two groups of people and they are very good people on Mm. both sides. Godly people on both sides. One group will say that the experience is one and the same. When you got saved, you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The other group will say it is not so. It is not so. I am in the second group. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to be rigid in it. I don't want to feel you, make you feel condemned because we look at the pattern. The pattern is Jesus Christ. He was born of the Holy Spirit. But he was baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of 30 when he stepped out into ministry. That mm-hmm. is when he became a witness of his father. <clears throat> That's when they saw him and knew that he said, if, if you see me, you see my father. That's when, at the age of 30. <clears throat> the disciples were with Jesus, but what they partook was the anointing that was upon him. They were not baptized in the Holy Spirit. But in the Gospel according to John, on the evening of the Resurrection Sunday, we will see he comes and breathes upon them. Yes. And he tells them, as the Father sent you, sent me, I'm sending you. How did the Father send him? He was born of the Spirit. Yet, he tells them to wait for the gift to receive. So they're born of the Spirit now. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place only 50 days later. So we see these two different pictures, both in Jesus and the disciples. Okay? So this, so you, you, it's very difficult to negotiate around these two incidents. And then you will see also through the book of Acts where the real incidents take place. Almost in Every incident, 
where there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit that takes place, the people know. See, when you're born again, nobody knows. Mm. Nobody knows. You yourself could doubt <laughs> whether you're born again. with something that happens inside. Others may not even know about other than the change of uh, change of Behavior. outward behavior mm. but that change of outward behavior can happen if you go to strict school and come back also mm. it needn't be you are born again yes. okay habits can be changed people in the world also stop drinking stop smoking because the will is there being born again is not using your will to change your habit it's something that took place inside it's a supernatural thing that took place inside but <clears throat> it doesn't have a outward evidence mm. you th- go through the book of acts you will always see there is an outward evidence and one of the most prominent outward evidence is you have uh, speaking in tongues mm. in the old covenant also there was a baptism of the holy spirit that's when the spirit came upon them but the difference between them and us is that we have the spirit in us we are born of the spirit and the spirit comes upon us and we are filled with the holy spirit yes. that they did not have that's the difference between them but even in king saul you will see when the spirit came upon him he started prophesying yes. so they did not have tongues in the mm. old covenant mm. their gift was they started prophesying so whenever there is a baptism of the holy spirit this is my personal experience pastor vijay's personal experience we all know our experiences and we look into scripture and we look into our experience it's very difficult for us to deny this reality mm. deny this reality and from Jesus on and the book of acts when the baptism of the holy spirit begins we see an evidence an outward evidence and the evidence is the speaking in tongues but then there's a huge chunk of christianity who denies it who denies it until they receive it and we see people from all denominations have received it and they we call catholics everybody they we call them charismatics mm. right because they speak in tongues and they prophesy they operate in the gifts of the holy spirit baptists have received lutherans have everybody in every denomination if you look at it there is a group of people who have experienced yes, it yes. so it cannot it, the holy spirit has just broken through denomination lines yes. denomination lines and uh, and when they break through and people see them they will realize there's something different between them and us it is uh, the baptism of the holy spirit <clears throat> i remember long back i don't want to mention names and all many years ago 20 22 years ago i was i was very young in the law in the ministry and i was taking a seminar seminar a one day seminar for a particular denomination Okay, it's a big denomination, and we had the bishop and fifty reverends, you know, priests, all with their degrees. Very nice people, and I was called to teach because the bishop had heard the previous month I had taught one of their set of people. So he said, "Can he come and teach us?" And uh, I was very young in the this thing, so I taught from morning till evening. Two sessions I taught. at the end of that during the tea break time the bishop and i were sitting and uh, he retired he retired is old i think he passed away also but before he retired he was the head of the entire denomination in india he retired as the moderator for that denomination okay so we were sitting and uh, uh, talking so he asked me a couple of questions he said uh, what's the difference between you and us no he said why 
He said, you are not an ordained uh, priest. No, I said, no. Mm. But you are different. When you preach, there is power. I said, ordination is one thing. Anointing is one thing else. No, I think the problem is you have you have what is called the outward symbols without the inward reality. Like, let us say, the background I come from, the Catholic Church I come from. You are baptized, sprinkling by the 7th or 8th or 9th. I was sprinkled on the 8th day. Mm. And you, they believe you are saved. Then there is something called confirmation in the church. That's when the bishop comes. And all the children, I, I didn't go through that. But the bishop lays hands upon the children. That is when they believe you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you have all these outward symbols without the inward reality. Mm. So you believe in those symbols. Mm. We believe in the reality. Mm. We believe in the reality. We believe in the reality. So you will see that also baptism of the Holy Spirit taking place by the laying of hands mm. in the Old Covenant. It's a part of the doctrine, the laying of hands. It's not just not for healing. It's an impartation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, impartation of a gift. It is there. So my my advice to you is this one thing. And I know that I have to come back to that is Acts chapter because I know a lot of people who genuinely struggle with this. Acts chapter two, no, and verse four, two four. Acts two and verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Mm. Okay, the Bible says that they began to speak in tongues and the Spirit gave them utterance. It is not that they, the Spirit gave them utterance and they began to speak with other tribes. Then uh, God is overruling your will. It's not how it works. You speak. A lot of people are stuck there. Because you see, tongues goes against all your rational mind. And your rational mind stops you. How can this? Is, this is gibberish. This doesn't make any sense. How can I utter these sounds? And it stops over there. On the other hand, you believe, and when that, whenever that ministry is going on, if you open your mouth and speak, you will suddenly realize the utterance comes. And don't doubt it, because you don't you don't understand tongues unless somebody gives you an interpretation. In my life, only it has come one or twice where I myself got the interpretation, but usually somebody else interprets. Somebody else interprets. And then there are formats how to use it and all that, and we are very, very careful about how we use it in a public. It's not that we do not use it, but when we have people uh, from a mixed crowd over there, and then I'm very, very sensitive to them that I don't want the ministry of the word becoming a block because of a gift that has been used. Yes. Oh, these are Pentecostals, I don't know. And God always told me, be very careful when I send you to other people. Don't flaunt your gift. Mm. Just preach the word. Then later they will ask you what's the difference and you will tell them this is the reason and they'll be willing to receive it. Amen. Willing to receive it. Many Pentecostals go wrong is that they are called to a Baptist convention. The first they start praying in tongues. After that, the Baptist won't listen to anything. Mm. A huge stumbling block. <laughs> he will, he will, they will say, get this fellow out of here <laughs> somewhere or other. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful because all we are trying to do is help people and edify them. Sometimes these are all what you call doctrinal blocks. blocks. And I'm telling you some of the best preachers uh, in the last 50 years, we're not always Pentecostals. Some of them are Baptists. 
very powerful fairy they had in-depth knowledge of the world and they denied this they denied this but that did not stop from god using them okay god using them so you look at the old the old covenant prophets none of them spoke in tongues none of them spoke in tongues it's one of the there are two things in the new covenant which are absolutely new covenant yes. you see in mark chapter 16 they shall cast out demons, demons and they shall speak in other tongues. tongues and there the prophetic voice is there in the old thing that with stammering lips i shall speak to this people yes. okay so that's my take trust god and uh, you speak as the spirit gives you utterance and you will see tongues will come and tongues will increase also in tongues because it's a language as god to give you more and more and more and it is it is very powerful in second corinth this is my statement to people who question i said look at uh, corinthians 14 and verse 2 first corinthians 14 and verse 2 over 3 no but it it's it's basically how these gifts you need to be used yeah he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to god because this one group even again godly men you will say when it is tongues it is always a human language it's a human which is there also but that's a different tongue it's given for missions there are three or four different kinds of applications of this word called tongues glossolia but here it talks he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to god for no one understands him so the question if it's a human tongue how can it be that uh, uh, no one understands him one two if it's a human tongue why should i speak in another tongue why can't i speak to god in my tongue yes exactly you no know, mm-hmm. let us say why should i speak to god in sanskrit when i can speak to him in english mm-hmm. you know to man i can understand but to god so that logic goes out with words too he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to god for no one understands him however in the spirit he speaks mysteries he speaks mysteries okay it's the holy spirit speaking through you and then uh, the subsequent verses will say who speaks in tongues edifies himself while prophesy edify he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church so the two different concepts are coming over is very clear so who is speaking in a tongue is speaking in a language nobody can understand so he's not uh, edifying meaning benefiting anybody other than himself because he's speaking directly through his spirit to god while he prophesies is prophesying in a language which uh, everybody understands so he's edifying so it is very clear mm. and uh, this is and when they will say but does the bible says in corinthians 12 does all do all speak in tongues again there is a question mark over there do all speak in tongues but uh, that's i believe it's talking about uh, different tongues exactly. altogether yes. it is talking about where uh, you go to a particular place and you suddenly in a crowd and you don't know the language and you open your mouth and the holy spirit speaks through you in that language it has happened millions of times in history where i don't otherwise how do you think these jewish disciples of jesus went around the world preaching the gospel how did thomas preach in india in kerala and in tamil nadu two states how did he preach definitely he didn't come here and learn the language how did he preach and that i believe was a gift so that is what it's talking about does everybody speak in tongues and then there is tongues and there is interpretation you know there's a tongues and there is interpretation there is a tongues without interpretation there is a human tongue so there are three kinds 
And uh, I have seen all this operate in ministry. So I cannot deny these realities. Yeah. Yes, Pastor. Especially even when you specifically mentioned about expelling demons. I think mm. that is one of the very distinctive features of the, the, the fact new, that you have been, you're, you've yeah, been baptized. New, new baptized. No, but that never happened in the Old Testament also. The Old Testament, that never happened, though they were like, they had their power and domain from. The, the expelling of demons is taking place in the new covenant because Jesus broke their power. Hmm. It was hmm. not broken in the old covenant. Hmm. Yes. So man could not expel. But those who are in Christ Jesus, anybody, I believe, even those who do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, can expel. Can expel. Exactly. Think they do not know it because hmm. the name, there's power in his name, in my name. Yes. Okay, you can so they, they use them, a term yeah. called exorcism. Yeah, right? That's exorcism, what they use. But it's yeah. not actually that. It's yeah. actually deliverance. Right? Deliverance, yeah. You can cast out demons mm-hmm. even if you're not. But if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it becomes easier. But even every child to born again child of God has the same authority. Mm. Power may differ. Power may differ. Authority is the same. same. Authority is the same. Power will differ depending upon how much you are surrendered vessel, how much you are filled of the Holy Spirit, your power will differ. But the authorities, you are all, all are children of God. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, is uh, there a charge? Is there? Yeah. Or finished? Is, uh, <coughs> Pastor, the previous question is question number yeah. 10. I think it's also a good follow-up mm-hmm. uh, because now it's talking about growth in scripture, uh, spiritual life. How do you grow so much in spiritual life? I mean, how do you win over your flesh? Uh, I mean, how, when, uh, oh, when it is were, 9 and 10 are connected. Yeah, yeah that's what. Uh, new to faith, you must have your struggles and worldly no, decisions. No, no, but I will. Then. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, no, what, 9 and 10? Yeah, yeah. Or oh, 10 and 11, Pastor? 9, nine, is nine and 10 are the connected questions. Uh, nine, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's talking about your testimony. <laughs> yeah, and that's how it's. Uh, I watched all your sermons online, but I still don't know your testimony. How were you saved? How did you encounter the Lord? And how did you win over your... How did it grow so much? Yeah. Uh, my testimony is very boring. That's what people tell me. Your testimony is boring. Because now people have watched so much Hollywood movies, they want to get spicy testimonies. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm this boring testimony, never drank, never did drugs, you know, none of this, you know, before getting saved also had none of these habits. So very boring. Was a bookworm, you know, did not watch movies. So they say, your testimony, don't give us some spicy ones, no? <laughs> no so my testimony is very boring. But I believe that, uh, like when Bible says we were chosen even before the <coughs> foundation of the world, so we all can look back and we will see, like Pastor Vijay would say, uh, I think even last Sunday uh, or one of the days he preaches, none of our accidents. Mm-hmm. God picked everything for us. If you are born again, if you were in the Lamb's Book of Life, even before. Uh, the foundation of the world was everything was handpicked by God for you. The house you were born, the parents, the home, the siblings, the school you went to, God had ordained it all. So that was my testimony. I look back and I see that you know God had ordained. But if you ask me, my struggle, it's not like what you think. I really, really struggled in my spiritual life. Really struggled in my spiritual life. The reason was that I came with no religion. No religion. I had no religion. Hmm. Not that I did not, uh, I did not even have Christianity. Hmm. I was one, I was the youngest in my family. I grew up in a country where uh, 
what do I say about that country? It, it is a Buddhist country. It was amoral. It said. is not, yeah. It is not immoral or moral. It is amoral. amoral. They have no concept about any The real Buddhism is not taught over there, like Buddha's principle. What you have is a tantric form of Buddhism. But I was never involved in that. I read everything. And we never went to church because there were no churches there. So I grew up like that. And then when I came to India to study, that was my first interaction with the Bible because I went to a Protestant school. I was the only one who was put into a Protestant school where I started hearing about <coughs> the Bible. But it was the Old Testament. But I still remember when I went for my undergraduation, there was a young man. I remember his name still, Vagisnainen. Can't forget the people who God used to bring you into the kingdom. We all used to run away from him because he was this fellow who always had this black Bible under his this thing. Mm. First year under graduation, walking down the corridor to look for somebody he can catch to give you t his witness and his testimony. But one day he caught me at 11 in the night, came, knocked on my room. He came in and we, we had only one room. We had single rooms then, so there was no escape. So I had to call him in. He gave his testimony. I didn't understand the gospel much, honestly, I'll tell you, but <laughs> I thought, let me get rid of this guy one way or other. <laughs> so he said, will you kneel down and pray with me? And that was the beginning. I thought I would kneel down and pray and get rid of him, but I went through this process of inviting Jesus into my life. The thing is that Vergis Nainan left. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus did not leave. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus did not leave. It was, it was not a radical conversion or anything like that. But it was, and the next day he was there at the door knocking, he said, Bible study, which I never went for. He said, but you got saved yesterday, you have to come for Bible study. So that, but my struggle was that we didn't have a church. church. I didn't have a church. And that was my biggest. So I had no mentor, I had no pastor, I had no church. And that was for years and years and years, years. I did not have a church. And that's why if you notice, we are so tough about church. You have to belong to a church. And as far as possible, a small church where you are accountable to somebody who knows you by name. Mm -hmm. Not that you are a speck in a crowd. No, who knows you by name and you are regularly part. So it's not a visitor. They know you belong there. So they will keep eye on you and they will know so that you know. And you, where doctrine is set, you are taught so you grow. And that took, to find a place like that took me so many years and I wondered. And I look back into my life, almost my all my failings in my spiritual walk, I connected to those years of wandering. Those years of wandering. I always think back, oh Lord, I thank you for you saving me and all oh Lord. But when I got saved, if only I had found a Bible-believing, small, strong church where I was mentored and there was accountability probably much of the trouble I had in my life I wouldn't have had. Yes. Okay, much of the trouble we go through is because of lack of teaching. Mm -hmm. Teaching is there and obeying is there, but you cannot obey what you do not know. You cannot obey what you do not know. And so that's that's my testimony. And but and the teaching powerful itself, yeah, teaching yeah. in itself has a has the power to transform power you. Transform, transform because you now know what is yeah, right and yeah, what yeah, is exactly. wrong. But if you ask me what happened is <clears throat> in the year nineteen ninety four on March the 26th. It was a very, very difficult period in my life. I was with a pastor. Pastor is pastor. We've gone to be with the Lord. And he and I, mean, they, we, I used to be working for a company, a publishing company. Out in Longman. Out in Longman. And I was an uh, 
editor with them. So I used to come back, and there was this weekly prayer meeting. But I would come back and do my stuff and shower and still go for that. I mean, and uh, no, I was, if you're in for Hyderabad, it's from Amirpet to Tarnaka to Maritpalli. Okay, I used to go. And uh, that night, it's one of the worst days in my life. I didn't know it was going to be the worst days in my life. But it was just he, me alone, and his wife also was there. I can't remember. And when we were praying, the Lord walked into that room. And he touched me with his physical hand. That hand is what changed my life. It brought me into ministry and everything. And he touched me. And I opened my eyes and looked. I couldn't see anybody. I closed my eyes because I thought maybe the pastor's wife was saying something or anything. I looked back. The hand was, the shoulder was burning. It was there. And again, I closed my eyes. I could feel his hand. And then one hour later, everything fell apart. But I didn't fall apart. And I later realized he was just strengthening me for the days and the years that were coming. One touch. You talk about virtue flowing. I know what it is for virtue to flow. But that changed my life. And I've never looked back from ministry after that. And after that day, never ever looked back from ministry. Or whatever happened, there was no looking back, quitting ministry. Never quitting ministry. So when I look back at that, and there was only one point. It was again years later, ten years later. I came to the point of quitting ministry. I mean, I've shared with my people. Things were so bad. I thought, okay, it's enough. I cannot handle this pressure anymore. Let me go back to the secular world because you have your credentials. And uh, in, you are, in India, people will understand that you got your PG and your post-PG and your net. I had cleared my net in one go. So I had my net, which is, allows you to teach in a university. So I applied. And they called me immediately for engineering college for Department of English. And I was the first to be called. <laughs> and there were all these other students sitting, and I was a little older than them. And they said, oh, sorry, you will get it. You got a net. None of us has got a net. I said, ah, no, it's okay, this thing. But I went in for the interview. The director was there, the chairman of the board, and everybody was sitting over there. And as when they were asking these questions, I heard literally the Lord tell me what he told Eliza, what are you doing here? <laughs> Go back the way you came. The, the director was asking me, the chairman of the board was asking me a question. In the middle of the question, I got up. He said, what happened, sir? I said, I think, sir, you got the wrong candidate. I need to leave. Call so, no, 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 sir, please, please. I said, no, sir, I think I need to go. I got up, picked my file and walked out. So this is, these are just testimonies. About. And these are the only two times probably I would have buckled under the pressure of quitting ministry, but there will be no looking back. There will be no looking back. And he's been faithful, absolutely faithful. Just snippets from my testimony. Hallelujah. Okay. So how do we, we all struggle with the flesh. Every morning you wake up, the flesh wakes up with you. <laughs> you sometimes wish you could just wake up in the morning and the flesh is still sleeping. But the fact is the flesh wakes up along with you. So we all face every day it is this struggle. And that itself is part of your battle. Just imagine you wake up in the morning, your flesh is dead and the world is not alive. Then what is the battle left? Mm. Where is your victory? You cannot have a victory if you do not have a battle. Right. And if you do not overcome, there is no crown. So the flesh is my enemy, but it's a necessity in this life yes. to get my crown. 
Okay, the world is not my friend, but the world is a necessity if I want a crown. Mm-hmm. The devil is my mortal enemy, but he's a necessity if I need a crown. So you cannot look them as yes, they are enemies. My flesh is my enemy, the devil is my enemy, and my world is my enemy. All of us, but they are necessity, necessary evils. Mm-hmm. For the believer to overcome. overcome. Because if there is no overcoming, there are no rewards. There's just salvation. Just salvation. So you have to look at life that way. And the struggles are there. Yeah. Pastor, um, because you are asking about this, I just want you to look at the last two questions uh, also, 19 and 20, because it's talking about struggles. Mm. Um, this is question number 19. After a while, you get tired of pushing and not seeing the light. Is that normal or do I lack patience? So many of the families I know have lived a godly life, but they die of cancer. Is that related to sin? Many people say cancer and sin are related. Can you explain? Uh, there are different takes on this, okay? But let me, let's go to the book of Job, hmm. okay? And chapter 8. There is a dude there called Mr. Bildad. I think he came up from Bildad the shoe height. <laughs> yes. Bildad, okay. I mean, if you have friends like Bildad, you don't need uh, enemies. <laughs> you don't need enemies, okay? Look at, uh, look at his uh, words 3 and 4. 3, 4, 5. This is telling to Job, who has been commended by God himself. Does God subvert judgment? Or does the Almighty pervert justice? If your sons have sinned against him, he has cast them away for their transgression. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, okay? These are false assumptions. Mm. Does the Bible say his sons, children were sinners? No. That's why they died? No. no. See, a lot of things which we do not understand. Let us say, chapter 1 and 2 are not there in the book of Job. We only have from chapter 3 onwards. Boy. Do we know what is happening no actually? No way. No way. Uh-huh. It is hidden from Job. It is hidden from his four friends. Nobody has a clue what is happening on the other side. There's a contest here. The devil has accused Job before God. is saying, yeah, yeah, you've got to put a hedge around him, give him health, wealth, prosperity. Anybody will worship you. God said, fine, take the hedge off. Don't take his life. And then the struggle begins. And he's afflicted in every way. He loses his family, his all his children, he loses all his wealth, and he's racked with sickness from head to toe. Yes. So out goes the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. Mm. And this man has not sinned. Mm. He's a man not commended by men or godly men. He's accused by godly men and commended by God. Mm. So we have to be very careful because sometimes... Our assumptions are wrong. Let us look at Jesus himself. Same thing with the same, these three friends of of Job were there with Jesus also, among his disciples. Right? Chapter 9 of the Gospel according to John. Mm -hmm. Verse 1 and 2 and 3. And Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born like? They already set in their doctrine. Mm. This is sin only. Absolutely sin. Born from birth, either he or his father. Mm. The question is, how can he sin to be born blind? Look at the warped theology. I can understand that maybe forefathers or he. 
or his parents. But how can a child sin to be born? How does the child sin in the womb? Who sinned, this man or his parents? That probably they did not know. I give you the benefit of doubt because verse one says he was born blind, and they probably did not know he was born blind. And Jesus answered, neither, neither. Now is he saying that people can't go blind because they sin? No. Mm-hmm. We know the man who was paralytic. He says your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And to the man who was sitting there at the pool with the paralyzed, no lame. For 38 years, he says, don't sin again or something worse will happen to you. So we know that there is sin and its consequences. But there are other reasons which is not connected with sin at all. Sin at all. And in Job's case, it was for the glory of Mm. God. So my fundamental take on this is that don't run into assumptions. Just pray for people. Okay. Like when I pray for people who are sick, I don't condemn them. I use everything. If I do not have a spiritual insight of the case, what do I do? I bind the spirit of cancer. I forgive their sins. I lay hands upon them. Because the whole idea is, Lord, if they can be healed, I'm not here to judge them. Mm-hmm. I'm here to be just be a vessel to say they get healed. Yes. Who is there to, what are we sitting here and judging over people who are there in their misery? He says, those who are mourning, mourn with them. We don't rush into judgments because that's not our job. That is God's job. And even when God gives his spiritual discernment, this is the case. It is just like the radiology report going to the physician. Mm -hmm. The physician is not going to take the radiology report and hit the patient with it. See, (laughs) this is why you are. He says, thank you. This is the reason you are ill. Okay. (laughs) Now I know how to diagnose it out. That's the only way you are using it. It is not that you are telling, I told you so. No, miserable fellow. He doesn't say that. Okay. So even when, you know, so our job as ministers Oh, when man. people are in, no, sometimes when it is repeated and repeated and repeated, yes, we told them. Didn't I tell you so? I told you so. Okay, I told you so. No, don't go this route. Every how many times do you have to go the same way to learn? Okay, mm. how many? That's a different thing. That's between a shepherd and a sheep. Mm. That's a different thing. But uh, the issue is here is that uh, godly people also die of cancer, mm. and. Uh, it does not mean they are ungodly. Okay? They are ungodly. Okay? So, uh, cancer can be... Uh, so, let me ask you this question then, if you want to put this theology. Job was beaten down by sickness. Did he sin? No. Let us say, what the word of God says, so we don't have to go by any man's testimony because in his case it is written in and it is scripture. Yes. Okay. By chapter 2, mm-hmm. End of it. Mm-hmm. he's sick mm-hmm. as a dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. And verse 10 says, In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He did not sin. And all these things, he did not sin. Mm. The thing is that he did not sin. And yet he is sick. He's lost all his wealth. Mm. He lost all his children. And this fellow is coming and saying, you have sinned, your children have sinned. That is why all, because nobody is understanding something that is happening in the spiritual realm. In some cases, let me put put this across, because I know I forgot the name. Some of the most 
godly men you would probably meet in there in 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 your life you will see they were pummeled with issues in life and it had nothing to do with sin but if you were to ask them today would you exchange it it for anything they will say no no if it hadn't been there we wouldn't have been what we became wow. at the end of our lives yes. i know about um, richard bumran uh, 14 years richard no no that is persecution for righteousness sake i'm not talking about that our brother rajkumar oh, yes. one, rajkumar no? ramachandran yes ramachandran no the yeah. day he got saved his, his wife, was wife went mental insane mental she went mad okay but you know for how many years how many years yeah and that man ministered with that hand tied behind his back and god anointed him and god gifted him and people will say can i is that had a gift of the holy spirit one i said no that's not a gift of that is a special unction which he received he just asked the lord something he said the lord you know what i don't know exactly what his prayer was i don't have the time at this thing i just want to memorize the whole scripture would you just give it to me the god gave him the entire bible by memory without him having to struggle for in different translations in different translations he knows the entire bible he doesn't need a bible he knows it by and did he study did he remember he didn't do anything just god gave it to him just god gave it to him okay no and uh, i've heard many many cases like that where and you will look back you know it actually worked in their uh, in their i'm not saying god brought evil into their lives no no i'm not saying god is not the originator of evil it is the devil sickness doesn't come from god it comes from the devil god only took the ed- the heads off god did not put the sickness on job the devil did mm. but it was because god was so sure of job that at the end how he would that's what he says i know after i am tested that is 16 or something i'm not sure i will come out as pure as mm. gold okay i'll come out as pure as gold hallelujah mm. so yeah <coughs> to no 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 not that so, yeah mm. it's okay it's okay <coughs> so when we look at these things we need to ask you know so all my ask to people is that don't go into judging people you no know, don't judge people when they are in their trouble in their misery our job is to comfort them and to comfort them you know and if even if god speaks to you something about them there will be a time and a season for that 2310 yeah 20 2310 yeah came in 2310 yeah i just want to look at it okay why god could allow the devil he knows the way that i take when he has tested me i shall come forth as gold hmm. okay and you need to realize god knows the way we take and the bible is very clear he will not test us beyond our capacity and if you think of being tested beyond your capacity it is not true you're simply not using what you have your faith to access the grace to go through it now let me ask you there are so many takes on this but let us be very clear about it this is second corinthians chapter 12, 12 yes. right <clears throat> verse 7 and 8 and 9 lest i should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation a thorn in the flesh was given to be a messenger of satan to buff me lest i be exalted above measure let's wait there okay let's wait there what do you think this is it's a de- demonic attack hmm. a thorn in the flesh that is thorn in the flesh nobody knows what it is he himself hasn't hasn't said what it is let us say 
let us say he's a bachelor. Is he struggling with lust? Apostle Paul, can anybody imagine this man is lusting, is struggling with lust? Because we are talking about a flesh. What are the sins of the flesh? He's not sinning, but he's struggling. Hmm. What is it? We don't know. We don't know what it is because it is between him and God. God has not given him the permission to tell us what his struggle was. We only know it is a struggle and is directly from the devil. And the Lord has taken the heads off. Okay, lest I should be exalted. But he's not getting this revelation then. He's getting this revelation much later. After the struggle has begun, he prays three times and all three times God says no. I'm not going to. And that is it. Meaning you're going to carry it with you till the end. I'm getting so we have to look at even great men of God struggled. Now it is a thorn in the flesh. Was it a sickness? Some people say it was. Uh, he was semi-blind. He has an issue with sight because he was blinded when he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. But the Bible says the scales fell off and he saw again. So some theologians want to say that he was practically half blind. It is not. I don't believe it is true. But then think if it is true. Did he sin to become blind? Hmm. Apostle Paul? No. Hmm. Okay. So we are, we are not talking about persecution for righteousness sake. We are talking about afflictions in the body. And this is an affliction. Very clear affliction in the flesh. And the flesh is in your body. And this man is struggling. And you, it could be anything. If you want to directly go into thorn in the flesh and then you read Galatians 5, 19 to 21, which among this is that? Oh, yes. Which among this is that mm. he's struggling with? Is he short-tempered? He's struggling with anger? He has to write, be angry and do not sin, how to be calm, and yet he struggles with it. Okay. In fact, in the book of Romans, he says, when the law said, thou shalt not yeah. covet, all manner of covetousness yeah. came, up, came up from within me. And he talks about all kinds of lustings came yeah. inside of me. But that, that I would still say that that is his struggle before he met Man, Christ. Yeah, sure. But this is his talking about his struggle after he met Christ. Mm. And after he's grown and he's writing these letters, he's mm. still struggling. I'm not saying he's falling. Mm. I'm not saying he's falling. I'm saying he's struggling. struggling. Okay, he's struggling. He's struggling and, and yeah. battling it every he's day. Battling it. And he says, Lord, my ministry would be so easy if this struggle went off. Mm. But God says, no. Mm. I'll keep it to you. No, Keep it to you so that you are humble. And I'm not also saying that he did not fall. It's not my business to say he did not fall. I'm not saying he did not fall. Because we do not know. Maybe he fell and he repented and then he understood even more the grace of God where sin abounds, grace abounds. See, false letters it's not theology. It's life. It's life. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's not theology. It mm. is life. This man knows what he's talking about. So God put him through it so that when you write it, you will know what it is. So I'm not saying that he fell into any venal sin and don't misunderstand me and all. We do not know. Secret things belong to God. But the fact of the matter is that God says, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength. So he understood in his struggles how to lean on to the, the, the arm of God and overcome each time. So we don't make judgments. We don't make judgments. Hallelujah. Okay. Pastor, the second, next question also, I think it's a kind of a follow-up if you uh, want to look at it. Why do we have to suffer? We have to go through suffering because Christ suffered for us. But if Jesus took it, why do we have to continue to suffer? I still don't get it. It is non-stop non suffering. We are being targeted every day. Tired of this. Unfair. 
The Bible says we should have peace of God. You teach and say peace with God, peace in the midst. But all through the year it has been nothing but heartache and pain. The thing is that uh, some of you, I know your cup is too full. But also let me tell you, some of you, you are very young in the Lord. Young in the Lord. And you're going through a lot. You're young in the Lord and you're going through a lot. Let me put you in an Indian context. And we have seen it happen many times. Let us say dad and a mom. Dad and a mom. Everything is fine. They've got six, seven children. All things are fine. And everything is honky-dory going anywhere in India or anywhere in the world. Suddenly the father dies in an accident. And the mother suddenly has no choice but grow up. Or let us say the parents die in an accident. And the eldest one is 21 years old. Suddenly, life changes for him completely. Let us say he was doing undergraduation or something. He finished undergraduation. He was thinking about a career, everything and all. The next thing he realized that all that is gone. Hmm. I need to take up a job to take care of my siblings. Okay? And suddenly, he, you know what? It always happens. You see all around the world it happens. The eldest or whichever one on up, upon whom the responsibility comes. No responsibility comes. They have to go through a lot of suffering. Because they simply have to grow up. Because God has put that burden on us. So many of you people you are going through. It's a result of, of the call of God upon your life. Don't waste it. Mm. Right? Jacob had 12 sons. And God had picked one son through him. Salvation would come to the whole family. So he had to suffer. He had to. He did not sin, but he suffered. And much of what you're going through is you cannot even compare to what uh, which uh, Joseph went through, because much of us our suffering is because of the junk we did. Joseph didn't do any junk; mm. he was absolutely innocent and guiltless. And not only that, he was a righteous young man, and he did every. He was a hard worker. So you want to took all the positives in the gospel? He had it. Mm. Yet he suffered like no man in the book of Genesis or in the Bible. He suffered in fetters and chains 4,000 years ago in the Egyptian dungeon. It's not even called a prison. It's called a dungeon. That's where he was. Okay, And yet he suffered. So sometimes you need to look at it and say, Don't Lord, say, Lord, teach me today's reading which I, mm. which I sent to you. Let me read it for you. Because I didn't send it to you. Let me read today's. And by the way, those who are in U.S., she lives in U.S. now. I will send it to the others. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, my rod, your staff, they comfort me. Worth following. The first thing most Christians think of when they hear or read the word persecution is torture. And indeed, torture is what many persecuted believers experience. Helen Berhan was kept in an Eritrean uh, shipping container prison for almost three years because she would not deny her faith. A shipping container in that heat and cold. She was beaten so severely she could not even walk. Other times, Helen was chained for hours outside in the severe heat of the sunshine. One time, after a full day of being chained outside, she was handcuffed and thrown into an old rusty shipping container full of holes. She lay on the icy floor in her thin dress. With no blanket, she soon began shivering. Her whole body ached from the cold and the beating she had received. She feared 
she might die from the freezing cold. So she composed this song and sang it repeatedly throughout the chilly night. Mm. I love you. That's why I draw myself closer to you. I know that it's worth following you. I'm not only ready for prison, but I trust you until death. Even in a closed space or in a pit, I will not surrender to evil spirits. Not if, even if I'm bound or I'm chained and I'm suffering from cold, I will sing and I'm not going to tire of singing nor give up. My heart is burning with your love. My heart declares I will never stop respecting you or lifting you up. I will sing again and again. I will sing a melody for you. My soul is pleased to sing for you. Her, her, her testimony is a very powerful mm. testimony. And that testimony, like millions of testimonies, sometimes we are not able to handle it is because we are not responding it the right way. Okay, there is a problem. And the problem, solution to the problem is the right response. And I'll give you the right response for what people go through for righteousness sake. It's found in the gospel according to Matthew. And every time we have to go back to that. Words 10, 5, 10 and 11 <coughs> and 12. <coughs> this is the response. And you have to ask God for the grace to respond it like this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. First is the attitude of your mind. You have to consider yourself blessed if you are persecuted for righteousness sake. I am not cursed, I am blessed. Everybody does not have. I said, Rama, that's one of the things when the pastor said, when his wife fell with a disease for which there is no cure, and he asked the Lord and said, Lord, why me? And the Lord asked, why not you? How do you see yourself, he said, blessed or cursed? Blessed or cursed? Blessed or cursed. Okay, that's what. Okay. Let me give you another real example of what happened. <coughs> it happened in a hospital. Okay, well, let us look at life challenging questions. This actually happened many years ago in a hospital in, in uh, a young pastor and his wife. She was in the labor room. The pastor was in church because a revival meeting was going on and this revival preacher was there. And the revival meeting was going on very powerful, very powerful, everything. And then he used to, he came back from the hospital, was sitting there shaken. And uh, when the meeting was over, the senior pastor came and sat him and said, son, what happened? He said, our baby has been delivered, but he's, he's deaf and uh, he's blind, born blind, okay, or born deaf, whatever, with, with, with deformity. And he says, I do not know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know. My wife still doesn't know it because the baby has not been brought. I just came over here. I don't know what to say. And immediately, uh, immediately the pastor, the Lord spoke to the pastor and spoke to him from Exodus 4. Okay, Exodus 4. Okay, verse 11, chapter 4 and verse 11. Okay, the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have I, have not I the Lord? He said, 
your child was born that way, right? So, born that way, right? So if it is from God, your child is born that way. God allowed this to happen. What are you supposed to do? Mm. What are you supposed to do? Grieve or give him thanks? Mm. He said, give thanks. He said, to go give thanks. Hallelujah. Give thanks. So he went back. He took the baby. He went to his wife. He held her hand and says, you know, honey, God has blessed us with a blind boy. She looked at him. She looked at his, listened to his words, and they both started crying and laughing. Okay, let me tell you. <coughs> Those old days, <coughs> they got onto the phone, this the other phone, and they connected to the relatives, and they were all they're calling up all the relatives <coughs> and saying, you know what? God has blessed us with a baby boy, such a cute fellow. Only thing he's blind, but God has blessed him. The operator through which the calls was going was a hardened atheist. And most of the staff over there, it spread like wildfire. There is a couple here who have a blind boy and they are rejoicing in their God about it. That Sunday evening, around 25 staff members were there at the church to hear about their God. Hallelujah to the number of God. Thank you. See, after sin, all these things are yes, happening. Exactly, yes, but, yes. but the devil means for harm. God, God turns it around for good. Turns it around for good. Mm. So sometimes our issue is not what we are going through. Mm. It's our response. Mm. Think about, um, I believe the Holy Spirit very clearly told Paul. Paul and Silas were beat, uh, humiliated, stripped, beaten, and thrown into prison. The Holy Spirit must have told him, keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. You know why? Later he will tell them, I'm a Roman citizen. Yes, 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 yes. The minute they arrested him, you could have said, wait, it's against the law. I'm a Roman citizen. He didn't do that. I believe he was restrained by the Holy Spirit because he says, he didn't even know. He says, no, don't say. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit says, we just obey. He doesn't have to give us a reason. The reason we'll know later. Mm. The reason will happen inside the prison. Mm where all the captives, chains will come off and the jailer and the family would get saved. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't tell you these things in advance. Mm-hmm. That's why faith is a long walk of obedience just by hearing. He doesn't tell you. He doesn't have to tell you. Okay, if you're a surrendered vessel, he doesn't have to tell you. That is faith. Abraham went, go, obeyed going without knowing where he was going. So I believe there was a restraint on Paul's heart saying, don't say anything. And he get beaten and he thrown in up. And then at the end of the day, he understands this is the reason I got a beating. You know why? Out of it. And you think the jailer himself comes and washes them with their wounds and all. You think Paul, of course the wound hurts. Mm. But do you think he's worried about the wound or the excitement of a whole family coming to the Lord? Okay, so we have to look at it and I will say, yes, what you're going through is terrible. Mm. It is awful. We are not taking anything out of it. But... The key to responding, if you know, like I said, uh, let's go go over there because I have to give an answer to this. There are two things you have to do. Okay, one. First Peter chapter two and verse twenty onwards. For what credit is it if you are beaten for your own faults, you take it patiently? Okay, so the Bible says first. If you have beaten for what you did wrong, repent. Because God said, Lord, forgive me everything. But if it not, 
if you take it. But when you do good and suffer, on the other hand, you did not do anything wrong. It's for righteousness sake you are suffering. Take it patiently. Okay? He said, if you take it patiently, that means take it patiently. This is commendable before God. And verse 21, right? For this you were called. This is a calling. Mm. You have to always remember to suffer for Christ Jesus' sake is a calling oh. reserved for very few. Most people don't go through it. Mm. Most people suffer because of their own sins. Very people suffer for Christ Jesus' sake. Mm. And it's a very blessed calling. So those who are going through persecution, we look them as oppressed. God says, no, they are blessed. Blessed are you. Okay, and we will realize, you know what? We were not uh, worthy enough. That's why the apostles went rejoicing. They said, hallelujah. We were considered worthy to suffer for Christ Jesus' sake. They took it as a compliment. Mm -hmm. No, everybody was not chosen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we need to understand how it... Okay, so there is one thing who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. This is the steps. And he says, you know what? He kept quiet. When he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself. Meaning, first thing is that, when you are being persecuted for righteousness' sake, be silent. We are not saying, don't use the options of law. In a legal framework, in a society where law and order works, use that. That's what he will also say. Is it right according to your law to do this thing? Use that. He's not saying, but he's saying, don't react negatively to it. Use legal means wherever it works. Okay, do that. Second, don't revile back. Third, rejoice. Rejoice. All these things are there. All these things are there. That is why we are involved in litigation. No, we have lawyers who fight for these cases. We have special lawyers who fight for these cases. We, no, we have, we have helped a lot of people to come out of prison. So many people were in Chandrapalli prison over the years. No, we've, Good, and uh, the, one of the lawyers you saw today has fought for us cases before us and brought people out. We were just picked up off the streets from Portugal and all. Oh, you're evangelizing. Pick them and throw them into the prison. You know, somehow or other, they get our number, call up, and he says, okay, let us see what we can do. And we got the lawyer, went out, and got them out, put them in the plane and said, go back. Go back. This is a very hostile country. You cannot do anything, proselytize, you cannot, they won't allow you to do that. So be very, very careful. So we do everything, everything. But we also tell them that, you know what? Don't react negatively. Your pain is real, your trauma is real, God will heal you. But your attitude should be very, very careful. Okay, attitude, no, you consider, I am blessed. Mm -hmm. I am blessed. There are, there are powerful stories of how Entire tribes have changed because one person in the middle decided to react according to the word of God. And that's all I know. I would say like, Helen, just start singing. Just start singing. You are not justifying the evil. You are not. You are just glorifying God. You are not justifying evil. We are not saying what happened to you is right and it is evil and evil is evil. But we are glorifying God that God considers you blessed. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Amen. Pastor, we'll possibly take one more question. Uh, this is question number eight. If you eight. Before I was saved, Harry Potter was my favorite movie. Once I heard you say that movies like Harry Potter have corrupted this generation, but still did not understand how. Okay. In Malayalam, we call him Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Samuel knows what potent is in Malayalam. Potent means idiot in my language. Okay. Okay. Now you need to realize is that. Let us go back to the gospel to understand what is happening with Harry Potter and uh, <laughs> Luke chapter four and verse five. Then the devil, yeah, oh, five and six. Okay, high place. Uh, five onwards. Yeah, let's read. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this have been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Mm. See, after the fall is this quest of man for power. Mm. The devil offers you power. God also offers you power. But the two ways they offer is completely different. The devil offers you power the shortcut way. Just worship me, I will give you. God offers you power. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. You deny yourself, walk with me, mm. and I will give you power. Because all authority and power is in my hands. The problem is sorcery. I remember the sorcerer, Harry Potter. I have never read a single Harry Potter book, but I read the editorials on what it is all about. It is all, it is all, there's nothing called white magic and black mm. magic. There's only magic and it is only black. Mm. It's not what you use it for. It's where the source is from. Mm. This is where you have, this is a problem. You need to realize this entire from Superman to all the Supergirl and I don't know, Batman and Catman and Catwoman and all. You have to look at all of them, their source. It's not God. It's not. And they will say, but this is how you pervert. Yes. We are trying to use sources, not God, but we are you doing it for good. good. Mm. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Let me ask you this uh, question. Some of the best charitable works uh, done by the Catholic Church is by the offerings given by the Mafia. How do you think it will stand before God? Imagine you are a drug dealer, but you also feed the poor. How do you reconcile these two? How do you reconcile these two? <laughs> there are drug dealers. One side you are killing people, other side you are feeding people to ease your guilt. Okay, mm. So you need to realize about this is the issue. And mm. Harry Potter is the one who, the, 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 the books of Harry Potter is what normalizes sorcery at every level. Mm. See, sorcery and witchcraft are always looked, don't look down upon, which yes. are not accepted, but it made it kosher. And kids all started getting into sorcery and it started being sold. The Ojo boards and everything started being sold and they have started having seances. Demons started coming. It became worldwide. Worldwide. And sorcery and witchcraft has become. Because there are only two sources of power. One is God, one is the devil. And the devil has power. Mm. And God says, deliver us from the power of the evil one. My question is that, how can you pray the Lord's Prayer and read Harry Potter? Deliver me from the power of the evil man and you're reading sorcery. How do you? If you did it in ignorance, it is okay. I'm not saying it's okay. Go back to God and say, Lord, forgive me and deliver me from anything that has got on to me. 
because Bible says seasons of ignorance, he will overlook. And he doesn't stop there. He says, now he commands everyone to repent. Everyone to repent. The devil offers an easy way out. But that easy way will take you to so much pain and suffering. And if you don't, if you don't fall away from faith, will take you to eternity without God too. Away from God. So, you need to understand, that's why we protect our children. It's not that our children should not, they should read. Our children should read. They should, they should not watch. They should read more than they watch. They can watch. I'm not saying they should not watch. It is there. That's part of your, how you see. It's part of your vision and hearing and reading. It's all part of it. But you have to be very careful about what they read. Okay. The parents stand as the gates as to what they read. And what. Reading is good, but reading is neutral. It can be evil or it can be good. Like I read evil growing up. Evil in the sense, like I realized, I had no control over what I read. Everything was around because we are not a believing family. So you read stuff when you were young when you should have never read. Never read. And that's what is happening today. People don't read, but they're watching everything. Like Pastor says, why do young people commit suicide? So much suicide rate is so much. Because in 15 years, 16 years, 20 years, they've already lived everything of life offers. Sex, drugs, pleasure, you name it, they have experience. And there's no meaning for life anymore. And they just, they just want to kill them. So the demonic gets in them and they take their life. That is why restrictions have to be placed. Parents have to be watchdogs, really. Take them off this, and when they watch, you have to be very, very parental protection, what they're going to watch, what games they're going to play. Take them off games. Games are very, very dangerous, and they're very demonic. Most of the games are demonic. And you know, Southeast Asia, Korea, is full of addicts. Gaming. They can sit for 48 hours, 72 hours without sleeping on drugs, just playing games. And I remember that incident I told you, like one of these new version of the games that was coming in. It was not released in South Korea, but it had reached North Korea. And there was only one place in the border of South Korea where they could get the signals from North Korea. And there was a huge crowd of young people picking the signals to play. That's how crazy people go. People go. Hmm. That's why we need to realize these are all destroy your soul. See, we are very aware of something that happens to our body. Alcohol, drugs, true. What about that is destroying our soul when the intake is in your mind and not in your body. It's equally destructive. And that's where we have to be very, very careful about what you read and what you do not, not read. You have to put a protective hedge over the ears and the eyes and the mouth of our children, what they eat. Yes, what they what eat. They eat. Because certain foods, you need to understand, they dull your brain. Mm-hmm. Dull your brain. Dull your brain. It really dulls your brain. Dulls your brain. It dulls your brain. And you have to, because you know what? The, the marketplace has changed completely. The marketplace is entirely framed on one thing, that is profit. Gain. On gain. Mm. And if the whole system is in cahoots, mm. there will be righteous people around, but he will get transferred. No, but So you have to be very, very careful. So we have to be careful. See, we are only accountable for what we can get. So whatever you buy from the market, when you bring it, everything is poison, the pesticides. But when you have made the right decisions, you bring it home, you have a promise to stand on. You can make you can't make a wrong decision 
and then pray for healing. Mm. No. You make a right decision and stand on the promise that, Lord, you said in this word, one of the signs that will follow those who believe, even if you take poison, poison. it will not harm you. Amen. Lord, this is all poison, but I have no choice. Only poison is available in the market, but I am pleading the blood of Jesus over it. And when I take it, it will not harm you. On the other hand, you go and buy poison knowing it is poison because you like poison, God said, die. Slowly, but die. Okay, hmm. this are, you have to understand Okay, everything is poison. I understand everything is poison. But how do you work it out? You work it out by faith. Okay, and so books are there. There are poisoned books and there are kosher books. Get children. Children should read more than they watch. The more they read, the minds will expand. They will start. The brain will really, really, you know, brain power is something. Math is good. Okay, literature is good. Good literature. I'm talking about good literature. There's literature for boys and literature for girls, which will make boys grow as boys with courtesy, respect, honor, chivalry, bravery, courage. Old books were like that. You read Ivanhoe and all that. You you grow up as a boy. Okay. And then you have the words like uh, Alistair MacLean, and, and you read the ones which are for girls. They grow up as girls. What is now is gender-neutral books. Transgender ideology, homosexuality, it's being taught from nursery, nursery school itself. Where drag queens come and read these stories for these children and the parents have no control over it at all. gone. All gone. And this is where we need to realize is that, you know, we have to make very difficult choices, especially West. Homeschool your children. It's a difficult choice, but it's available. Homeschool. As long as it's available, make use of it before they take that also away. Homeschool your children. And then be very careful what they watch, what they read. You can't do it all your life, but you can do it up to 15 years. By then, they are set. I believe that's what happened to Daniel and his three friends. They were brought up that way, and then God took them and released them among the wolves. And they could stand, and Joseph could stand. But if they had not been brought that way, either way, the good, the bad, and the ugly will be released to the wolves. But the wolves will eat the bad and the ugly. The good will stand. Amen. Good will stand. And that's all we can. We cannot protect our children forever. Mm. We can only give them the fundamental principles that those principles are so strong in them. When the hour comes, they too, when they are thrown in the Babylonian court, will stand up like Daniel and decide in their heart, I will purpose, I will not defile myself. But we have to give that to them. That's what parenting is. And it is a full-time job. Parenting is not a part-time job. It's a full-time job. We watch over them, watch over them, play with them to so that they exercise their bodies so well that when they come home, wash up, have their dinner, they finish their work, they get into bed, they fall asleep in five minutes. You don't even give them time to sit there and think junk. They fall asleep. Mm. We have to train them that way. These days they don't play. It's all... They don't play and they don't sleep. They don't sleep. They don't sleep. You know why? No physical activity. Mm. No physical act. I mean, our age, we grew up playing. We waited for the ground. Our ground was our heaven. Mm. Oh boy, when the last bell rang at school, the next thing you know, go change, run into the field. Then you came. You were hungry. You were hungry. You did your homework. Your head hit the pillow. You were out. You were gone. You had no time to think. No? Okay. Lead me not into temptation was playing. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. It was playing. Okay. Play, 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 play. 
So please do these things, you know, our children, let them grow, whatever it, I'm not talking about what the game is, it's just physical activity. Mm. We are restricted, restrained, but still children can play, let them cycle. I see my kids over here, or my kids, many neighbors, kids around. The children, already by the time I came from here, I think the child has cycled around this whole block ten times already. How do you think she's going to go to bed today? She'll fast asleep. Mm. Get them cycles, cycle up and down 15 times. Whatever within our, because we have India, we have restraints. The only good city to live in is Jamshedpur. Full of parks and no people to play. And every other play, no parks and everybody is playing on the streets. Okay, so what is that available? Make use of it. Mm -hmm. Make use of it. Okay, and otherwise, you know what, our children will, we can't blame our children. We have to set the parameters for them, protect them, guide them, and don't read Harry Potter. Mm. If I, who is a bookworm, never read Harry Potter and never saw Sholay or Titanic, mm. <laughs> it's not that I haven't seen movies. I do see mm. movies. Mm. I didn't see Titanic or Sholay because these are the two big names, one That's in India, the other in the world. <laughs> okay, I didn't see either of them, though I know that post. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, no, didn't read Harry Potter. Because actually, you know, Harry Potter is much recent. Actually, it's, it started. In yeah, the but it is big name. I mean, yeah, considering yeah. the fact mm -hmm. that my thesis for uh, for my for my PhD is fantasy fiction, I did not read Harry oh. Potter. Means oh. something, yes, okay? Yes, 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 yes. Because you have to look. There is George uh, Macdonald from the, uh, to um, Tolkien to C.S. Lewis. To Harry Potter, that is the way it goes. Fantasy fiction is going on. Oh, fantasy fiction oh. is po poised on a premise that you can create a, another world oh, and put your ideas into that world and sell it to the market without them accusing of you to uh, brainwashing people. But it's equally powerful. Mm -hmm. You're not talking about the politics here, but you're bringing politics using another world. Mm -hmm. So they sold sorcery through the form of fantasy fiction. That's how fantasy fiction. So C.S. Lewis, whole Narnia series, okay? How do you put the gospel onto people? How do you get to the secular people the gospel? So he created the Narnia series where Jesus is the lion. And the lion will die to redeem. So people are reading it and then people get it. The witch is there, mm -hmm. okay? So the witch represents the devil. And he will get hold of one of mm -hmm. the boys. And ultimately, Aslan has to be offered on the altar. Mm -hmm. and then he will come back to life and the restoration begins. And King Peter, High Peter, so you shall overcome and rule with mm -hmm. him in eternity. So he put the entire gospel. thing, gospel, into series. Mm -hmm. And everybody reads it and enjoys it. But what is going on is the gospel. And nobody can criticize you, Prasadam. You are... Uh, brainwashing people because it's a alternate world. Harry Potter took the same thing and sold sorcery. Sorcery, yes. Yes, Lewis sold the gospel. Okay, so you need to understand where these things come from. Mm. Okay, because the thesis, my thesis title mm. was from the secular to the sacred, a reading of sacred. the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. So I know what Harry Potter is, but I refuse to touch it. No way I'm going that route at all. It is sorcery. I don't want to even read it. Magician's stone or whatever junk it was. Okay. The sorcerer's stone. Magician, yes. The, the sorcerer's sorcerer. needs to be stoned. <laughs> that should have been the title. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Shall we pray? Yes, Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Father, we just, our hearts and minds are with these children who are hurting, Lord. They're hurting. 
We are tired, but Father, I pray for grace. It's evil that is happening to them. It is evil that has been done to them. But Father, the way out is only your way. We have to do it your way. Even for a nation to be healed, there's only one way. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Oh Lord, there's no other way, Lord. Every other way will hit a dead end. If we want God to interview, we have to do it God's way. First, I pray they will see themselves as they are blessed, they are special. Because of the billions of people on earth and two billion Christians, he chose a set of people, a few set of people to suffer for his name's sake. Literally, he took their bodies on the altar and said, I will allow affliction on your body. They are blessed. Help them to see themselves as blessed and not cursed. Second, I Lord, I pray, they'll be silent. Hmm. They will not revile, not. Third, I say they will be loud in their praises. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. And they will see the grace of God coming in. Coming in, Lord, into their lives each day. Hmm. And they will realize His grace is sufficient one day at a time. When the wounds hurt and the, it bites deeper, let their songs grow louder. And all the other captives will hear. God will move in their lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We are moving in, living in dark and dangerous times. But we stand on your promise. When sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Hallelujah. There's nothing that nothing the devil can bring against us that grace cannot handle. Not only handle, make us an overcomer in and through it. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son once again. But for him, we would all been destined to desperation, discouragement, maybe even suicide and death. But because of you, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So I bless your people in your name, Lord. May the hand of God reach out and touch each one at their point of need. If you tarry to come tonight and you give us another day in the land of the living, first Sunday of this third month, be with us, Lord, as we gather in your house and houses around the world. And as we break bread, help us to remember you died for us. To remember your death. That's what made all this possible. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.